And welcome back, everyone, to Ladies First, your one-stop shop for all your femslash podcast needs. I am Elizabeth, and joining me today for this very special episode is Gretchen. Hello! As Corey is on vacation this week, though I have been blowing up her phone with notifications about all the goings-on, as any good friend should. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So in our last episode, we had a nice long discussion of how fandoms can turn toxic. And some of the problems, right? (laughs) How convenient. And so some of the problems with how fans interact with celebrities, and we had actually planned to do an episode later on about the other side of the equation, which is how celebrities interacting with fans can go bad. Uh, But, you know, a little thing happened at San Diego Comic-Con, and I guess Supergirl's cast decided that we're going to do that topic today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Things kind of went a little bit nuts yeah. if people have not been paying attention. I feel like you kind of have to be living under a rock if you're in fandom and don't know about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, within, like, I think it was, like, the, the second that something happened, I started seeing stuff on Tumblr, and I remember I put in the, the editor's group chat. Like, I'm not sure what happened, but I don't know if I want to write about it because, you know, you, you don't want to jump on things right away. You kind of want to see where they're going. Right. And then I started seeing more details about it. I was like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to have to say something about this, aren't we? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that was, I was like, because then I was like, oh, I should write an article because, you know, because Corey and I do the Supergirl recaps. And then it just started snowballing. I'm like, hey, you know, it would make a good podcast topic. Let's do that. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, so, so do you want to kick us off by like explaining what it is all right that went down yeah Yeah, so uh so we're gonna we're actually so there's a a tumblr user named bex and we're gonna link to her wonderful wonderful little explanation of everything that went down yeah because very thorough yeah it's very thorough um honestly it's kind of I'm the kind of person who hates watching cast interviews because I feel like it's immersion breaking because I'm one of those weirdos Mm. but uh i did i did actually watch the video but um so bex had actually written up this really wonderful summary of everything that had happened and so uh i got in touch with them and said like well are you okay with us borrowing from your summary for our podcast and they said it was fine so uh we're gonna do that all right so i'm gonna try not to read this word for word but (laughs) (laughs) all right so it started off well enough with you know like your usual cast interviews and so um i guess you know they were sort of singing a little song and this is with tv line this yeah. was a, i think right or i think was that so, a yes. different interview there were several interviews but it, yeah there was one interview i believe it was tv line but i can't recall honestly they flubbed Ooh. a couple of them so like yeah yep we'll get to that in a bit because there's a bunch of there's a bunch of other drama that happened after this but we'll get to that so right. um god so was it was the was Benoist little like oh their girlfriends thing was that was that during the song before the song yeah it was during the song so jeremy jordan started singing about like a i can't remember if it was prompted or not but he was singing like a musical recap of this of the season is what they were doing you know like theater theater nerds do yeah right (laughs) i mean like you've got talented people in the room who who can all sing so why not do like a musical recap it's funny it's silly and lighthearted. 
it's also just like it's a thing that theater dorks do i would know i was one of them <laughs> um, <laughs> i was i was very much one of them uh but uh, yeah like it was sort of cutesy and you know like you know they've got some musical theater chops so it was this cute little song and then um so it kind of took a dark turn very quickly yeah, he mentioned, you know, Lena entering the show and that Kara met Lena and they became friends. Um, I believe uh, from what I, like, Melissa was singing along, you know, like, they became friends. She said something about girlfriends, which, to be fair, in context, is one of those, like, straight girl things where they use girlfriend to just mean, like, female friends. Like I me have... and my girlfriends went out. I, I'm not a big fan. I don't think you are either. <laughs> I have to say, like, if a woman is over the age of, I'm gonna say, like, 35 to 40, if she refers to her female friends as girlfriends, like, total pass, because that was, it was common. Right. Yeah. But like, <laughs> she's like our age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Melissa, I think I think that was what prompted it. At least that was how it looked to me when I was watching the video. Was that Melissa said that Kara and Lena were girlfriends, so Jeremy replies, just friends. Just friends. And then they look directly at the camera, just friends, in case we didn't hammer it home enough. Just friends. Yeah, they're just friends over and over again, pretty loudly. McCod Brooks started dancing. Um, and I mean, and everyone was laughing, like... At the beginning, it just seemed like it was lighthearted and funny, and um, at first, like it, it kinda, didn't seem like it was just kind of funny. It kind of was at first, and I could even sort of let the they're just friends joke slide a bit because eh, I don't know the original the just in the context it didn't feel particularly malicious. It was just like oh, it's a cutesy song, and like honestly, they had to have rehearsed this beforehand, at least a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know very many people who are well, I mean, maybe they are. Maybe maybe they are they are one of the exceptions of people who can just like sing unprompted like that. Um <laughs> I like know the, I am not. <laughs> like the the cast of whose lines it anywhere, you just have to make up a song on the spot. But Right. Yeah, this didn't feel like that. But uh so also Katie McGrath looked like she wanted to climb the walls. She was laughing, but it, or like, you know, like when someone's like laughing, but you can see behind their eyes, they're just like, oh no, mm -hmm. <laughs> that she seemed very uncomfortable. Uh, yep. So that, so that was how it started. And so mm -hmm. then, you know, as the interview is going on, then the interviewer is like, oh, well, any show like this naturally has such a fandom that there's natural shipping that goes on. And he gestures to Melissa and Katie and says, you two or your two characters, you know about this. And this is where things started to go downhill quickly, because yeah, well, because they sort of yeah. did that like faux surprise thing, like oh, we had no idea, which is like at first was kind of funny, but then it almost seemed like they were taking it a tad too seriously. Which like, guys, come on, you've been doing interviews on this since like October, don't right? And then yeah, Mahad, and then Mahad Brooks is like, I know about this, which like, honestly, that kind of drove the point home. Yeah, that everyone knows, <laughs> and they're just pretend. Yeah, and then they're they're. they're just joking. Yeah. Um, and then the part that doesn't make sense to me is that this, like, Jeremy took over the interview at this point, didn't he? Kinda. Um, 
and was joking about how um, he debunked Supercorp. Um, and, you know, people were going to get upset at him and he was probably going to get destroyed. Um, His words, to which not ours. Yeah, no, like this is what he said. He said he debunked Supercorp. I'm probably going to get destroyed, aren't I? Or some like very like he did use the word destroyed and he did use the word debunked. Um, but I do think it's important to point out that there are there was information being spread around that he said he destroyed Supercorp. Um, that was something I saw on Twitter, which was not what he said. He said he debunked Supercorp. So to me, he seems to be under the impression that like his joking around like this was somehow proving that Supercorp wasn't canon and was never going to be canon. Um, which is weird because I don't think very many of us ever believed it would be. <laughs> At least no, I didn't. Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, you get it. It's, right? Like, you telling <laughs> us it's not canon is not news. <laughs> no, it's not news. We know. Um, I know some we people know are that. like, I know some people are like, does Katie know? And like, honestly, sometimes debatable. But, <laughs> but yeah, so he says, he, he's like, oh, I'm going to get destroyed. He's like, I just debunked Supercore Live. And then Melissa's like, yeah, it's pretty brave. Right. All right. So there's a couple ways you can take this. And the one that I'm going to lean on is I feel like when he says debunked, I think he means it's sort of that nebulous, weird space between joking and serious. Yeah. Like where you don't really know what to say. You just sort of keep um, talking, keep mm -hmm. talking. You just pick up the shovel and keep on digging. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I still don't think that he meant it maliciously. Oh, absolutely not. At all. He was just, like, watching the interview. I'm just like, Jeremy, just stop. Like, honey, just just stop talking. Like, you're you're not making this any better for yourself. <laughs> just I just stop, please. <laughs> I, see, I see he and Wynn share that, uh, or he, he brings to that part his inability to stop talking uh, when he's oh. dug himself a yeah. hole. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So as for what Melissa said, though, I feel like there are a couple of different ways. One, which is more interpreting it in more of a malicious way, and another that I think, at least to me, seemed to be more like what she was saying. So um, to me, it seemed like what she was doing was, say, was implying it's brave for you to to say that not it was not it was brave for you to debunk supercorp but it was brave for you to like say that, that you joke. were debunked. yeah to make that joke <laughs> like i mean because people are gonna get mad at you like what it sounded like to me was like she understands this might not go over well yeah wow that was that was brave hmm i probably wouldn't have done that at least that's how it read to me like yeah what do you think no, I agree, actually, that, um, excuse me, uh, it's sort of, sorry, I'm so worked up, it's giving me the bubbles. Um, <laughs> no worries, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Uh, yeah, no, I agree that it was, uh, the braveness is in that fandoms can be a bit extra, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking it was more of a reference to, there are some people who would, who are gonna react to this. Right. Not that it was brave to defy conventions by defending the heterosexuality of these two characters. Like, that's clearly right. not what she meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, 
you know, honestly, <laughs> there's also like that implication that this that shipping is something that isn't really serious, which it <sighs> is, but right. it isn't. Uh huh. It depends on the context, and yes. with queer ships, especially non-canon ships, uh, the context kind of matters. Mm-hmm. Because it's right. not the yeah, it's not the same as like the you know the cishet ships. That it's just sort of like oh, and what ifs, and sometimes it they're more likely to happen, but it's more like that because there's less representation that these things have much more weight to the people who follow them. Right. Right. In a in a straight context, like a non-canon ship is just tends to feel more like, well, this is just my what I would prefer to have. Mm-hmm. Whereas in queer fandom, I mean, for a really long time, non-canon ships were were literally all we had. Like so non-canon ships feel like res- representation. Yeah, more exactly. so. Yeah. So like it's just a different thing. Yeah, there's like, also Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say there's also the added weight of that Katie McGrath has been unbelievably supportive. Mm-hmm. So that's like really that threw the weight behind the super core ship. So it was just you know. Right. When you've had one actor be really supportive, to have the other actor be fairly I hesitate to call it dismissive because I'm not sure it was entirely that. I think there might be a level of it. But I do think it's more just, like, thoughtless. Yeah. Like, she didn't think much about the context and what was going on. Um, And really, it's just, like, compared to Katie. Like, Katie, who goes out of her way to be really validating and supporting, when you have someone who's just like, oh, right, yeah, people ship these two. Whatever, it's not canon. Like... That's going to feel even more dismissive than it probably is actually even intended to be because you have someone else who's being really supportive. Yeah, exactly. And it's also like, I know this is sort of like a, like when you have marginalized groups or minority groups, you only have that thing where it's like, we can joke about that, but you can't. Right. That was sort of, Mm -hmm. sort of like after the end of Little Song and then the, that's pretty brave. After that whole segment, I was just like, yeah, this is definitely in that category of we're allowed to make these jokes, but you guys are. Right, we're allowed to make fun of ourselves for being a little bit intense, but you can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I totally God, agree with you on that. And it's so funny because like there were so many posts going around on Tumblr, just like, "Oh my God, guys, do not embarrass us." <laughs> you know, like, uh, right? <laughs> like, who would have thought, right? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <sighs> Go figure. Right, uh, and then I mean, and this isn't even the end of it. Like, the interviewer decided to keep pushing on this by asking if Melissa and Katie were caught off guard by fans seeing um, a relationship between these two characters and what they thought about it. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Like, in the year of our Lord, 2017, we are still getting this question in cast interviews. And in this particular phrasing, like, I know they don't mean it like, you know, isn't it scandalous that queer people watch your television show? But that is absolutely how it comes across. Like, I I know, I know that's not what they mean. Like, is it though? Is it though? Like, would they ask this question in this way of a a male and female character? 
You know what? Actually, maybe, you know what? Yes, I retract that statement. You think you might be right. Because I don't know that I've ever heard this question phrased this way when they're talking about male and female characters. In some sense, it is expected that that, <laughs> that people would ship any male and female character who are in the same space for a certain amount of time. No, An interviewer, I'm... like, it's just assumed <laughs> that if you see, like, a man and a woman on your screens, people will ship it. I'm so, like, to... I'm right? Like, I'm imagining them asking, um, <laughs> I'm imagining them asking, like, Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. Oh, are you <laughs> caught off guard when people ship you? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, if someone were to do that in the Justice League movie, like, are yeah. you Gal Gadot? Are you caught off guard by people shipping you in Cyborg? Like, <laughs> you, you and Jason Momoa, which right? nobody has ever caught off guard by being shipped with Jason Momoa. I know, right? Like, the two most beautiful people in that movie, of course they're going to get shipped together. Like, like a, no, I love, like, number one, that he's so jacked that, like, his professional bodyguards look like video game mini-bosses that you have to defeat right? before you fight him. Oh my gosh. But also that when he came out on stage at Comic-Con, um, he sort of made a joke where or the, the announcer is like, oh, now we know why everyone's so wet is because you're here. And right? <laughs> Aquaman. Because he's Aquaman. And also a very beautiful human being. Um, anyway, back on topic. Back on topic. <laughs> so, like, I... Yeah, to me, this question is very much subtextual. Like, is a question that you would only get with a queer ship. In yeah. my opinion. Some people, like, you may just, like... Those of you out there who might disagree with me, like, that's totally cool. I just have never heard this question asked of, like, a straight ship. Nor do I... Nor I would be really surprised if this were asked. Of a Why straight would ship you? ever. The only one I can think it would be appropriate for is if somebody asked um, Adam Driver about. Yeah, it would be a very particular context, like a, either like a villain hero ship, maybe, or like characters who are somehow maybe not villain and hero, but really antagonistic towards each other. Yeah, like hating each other, maybe. I might. Yeah. I might. Yeah, but that really is the only context. Two, if a male and female character. We're really good friends on a TV show. Like, no one would even think to ask it this way, ever. Nope, even they if they had explicitly made their the terms uh -huh. of their relationship clear. Yep, yep. They would never assume that people wouldn't ship it. So, yeah. It, yeah, I think this is very much a, like, loaded question in terms of you only are going to get this about some kind of queer relationship. Yeah, and it sort of, like, forces you to answer... Like, because the way the question is phrased, you are forced to give, like, a yes or a no answer to, were you caught off guard? Right. And that's a very odd position for an actor to be in, I think. Which is why I'm so impressed when Katie can pull it off. Like, because Katie McGrath can reply with, like, no, I honestly didn't, but you know what? It's great people do. Like, um, rather than say being kind of awkward about it i don't know well, it's just kind of an awkward question so it lends itself to like actors being awkward in response like what do you expect well if someone's asking you that exactly and i think like well honestly i think she just genuinely doesn't not that she doesn't not that she doesn't care but i mean like it doesn't matter to her it's no never mind to melissa benoist to uh katie mcgrath oh right yeah it doesn't bother her if people ship her in a queer relationship exactly she's like oh well, like uh, okay like <laughs> She's kind of been there, done that a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, but like even <laughs> even without that, I think I think that she just seems like the kind of person who is just like 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, why would it matter? Sure. Right, because isn't that the subtext to this kind of question? That someone yeah. should be off guard and confused by it? It feels like a weird trap question. Like they pl- right? like it's like the interview's playing a trap card. Are you a homophobe and will you be dumb enough to admit it on camera? Right? <laughs> right? Like how like how uncomfortable are are you willing to admit yourself being with a with a queer ship being based off of your character? Tell how me right of, now. How long <laughs> of a voicemail do you want from your agent on Monday morning? Yeah. Yep. Oh man. Oh yeah, so, so it's like Go ahead. Uh, so Melissa was like, oh, it's not surprising, or it was surprising, not what Katie and I expected to say the least. I'm like, that is a bald-faced lie. Katie McGrath knew full well. She knows her audience, like. Mm-hmm. like I, right, I, I mean, though, Katie did say that, like, this was the one time where she, when she was handed the script, when she was handed the script, she has said in interviews, like, this was the one time I thought there was no subtext, <laughs> which is yes. amusing <laughs> yeah, all of us. We're like, I'll, oh, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> no, like, I'll be honest. This is probably, of her various roles, this is probably one that's most heavily subtexted. Yep. Yeah. It's like her and Benoist, they both have that, like, particular way that they look at other female. It, it, Gal Gadot has this, too. They have this particular way that they look at other women where you're just like, and no, nobody ever, like, can you just, like, observe straight female friendships in the wild? Because this is not what they look like. No. No. <laughs> I don't normally look at my just female friends that way. No. I certainly but. don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, but the thing was, is, like, Melissa did look a bit uncomfortable. I mean, and I don't, but I don't know if the discomfort was with the question or if she is genuinely uncomfortable with the idea of Kara being shipped in a queer way i i can't tell but she like whatever it was she was kind of uncomfortable whether it's the question or act actual discomfort with the idea of it well to be to be fair there was a whole lot of her to be awkward about yeah like even just with the song going too far and then the the follow-up question i can just if I had to take a guess as to what her discomfort was, is I know that she had that thought running through her head of, I'm going to get a 20-minute voicemail from my agent on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which is odd. I mean, she was on Glee. Yeah. Like, I feel like she should know a bit how shipping goes. Especially Jesus. how shipping in the queer ship world goes. God, especially Glee. Like, you could not... Oh, God. This is not your... I... This is not your first ship show rodeo, girl. Like, you did Glee. Glee was the be-all, end-all of multi-shipping and queer shipping. Like, you cannot tell me that this is new. Like, there's no better introduction, or I don't know. Like, like, that's like the... I can't think of an introduction to, like, multi-shipping, queer shipping, all of that... I can't think of something that would like immerse you more in that than Glee. Right. Like that off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Yeah. No, it's like literally the definitive, (laughs) the definitive non-canon queer ship show. Like it's sort of set a standard (laughs) for everything else. And like you, like, bitch, you were there. Like, (laughs) right. Right. You should not be this uncomfortable. No, you're like, you should, like, you should be prepared for this. Like you're standing, you like, you were standing shoulder to shoulder with two actresses who played a queer couple. Like, you, you were at the center of a pretty damn popular ship. Like, mm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Right. Right. 
Which is why yeah. I'm guess I'm guessing her discomfort was probably from the creeping realization of, oh, this isn't going very well. Right. We didn't. Oops. We have collectively stuck our foot in our mouths. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, in that contrast, like we've said, with Katie, who's, I mean, not at all uncomfortable. Um. At least when talking about Supercorp, she's mm-hmm. very, very comfortable talking about that as a ship and very affirming. Yeah. No, I know she's a very pri- actually. This is something that I, I really like about her is that I know that she's a very private person, and I very much respect that. And I actually like that about her. I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of like the air of mystery. Like this is something very charming <laughs> about her. Um, yeah, but that she is just sort of with regards to her work, she's very open, but she has her personal life, and these two things are very discreet from one another. But with her work, she's always just very like, eh, whatever floats your boat. Right. Well, I think to me, at least that that for someone like myself, like that gives more weight to the words that she does say. She doesn't say a lot about her personal life. She doesn't say a lot about, um, you know, her feelings about much. So when she does say so when she does talk about art and talk about her work and talk about the value of seeing and taking away what you see and take away in art and that that is what makes art beautiful like it resonates even more because I know she's not really someone who talks a lot about her personal feelings so I can tell like this comes from the heart she's thought a lot about what she wants to say and that this is what is coming out like says a lot about her as a person Mm -hmm. so I just I love when she talks about yeah all of that just because like there's a lot of weight behind her words given how private she is as a person as somebody who um i'm very bad about talking about uh, my emotions in real time like i can talk about past tense but Mm. present tense are very like like i'll make you a mixtape like she she strikes me as the (laughs) kind of person who does very well expressing herself through her work and expressing her emotions through her work but if you actually asked her just like okay so tell me about you and she'll just be like uh i mean I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's very classy. Also, a, a side note to the, the people who were at San Diego Comic-Con, thank you so much for being respectful of her, because oh, she, she deserves yes. your respect. Totally. She really, really does. She deserves, yeah, all the respect and love and and none of the horrible, awful things that fandom can do. Um, <laughs> and has done, that this particular fandom has done. Um. But I saw this. <laughs> I saw this gift set though. Like I didn't actually see. The, I, I pretty sure. Was, I don't know. Honestly, like most of the interview, I was so like angry that I just kind of missed the chunks of it. Um, right. But there was. I saw a gift set where. Um, God, I hope this is an actual quote. But she was like, "I brought it back to reality. You guys want to start singing again?" After she had said her bit, and uh, if that is actually in fact what she said, it is. Um, I've watched that video. So yeah, okay, she good, did actually yeah. say that. Yeah, because I, I was missing big chunks of it because I was angrily punching out, like, I had my iPhone, like, on my desk, like, angrily hand-pecking out the text to Corey. Like, you will not fucking believe what is going on. Because <laughs> I'm watching the video. I believe it. I was Dean. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, she did actually say that. That's a, bit, that's a pretty good burn. Yeah, right like, that is, that is a classy and professional fuck you. Like, yeah. as, as somebody who works in a very tight-laced, classic business industry, like, that is how you say fuck you. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
<sighs> yeah, actually, in that very same interview, she responded to something that Chris had said. So this was one of the other things that went down was that Chris Woods, who plays Monel, um, said at some point, sexuality is about others' perceptions of yours. And then tried to cover it with like, oh, that was sarcasm. Just kidding, guys. He also uh-huh. just, he interjected it. Because they were talking yes. about, they were talking about the ship, about Zipathor. And then his exact interjection was something along the line, well, not exact, but it was something along the lines of like, well, we all know that sexuality is all about others' perception of yours. And then there was a beat and he's like, well, that was sarcasm. Okay. Yeah. So, um sarcasm or jokes are like a user interface if you have to explain them they're not very good yeah and chances are probably not really a joke in that situation like i mean that is that kind of situation is the basis for the shirt that we have in our store isn't it like (laughs) it is for people who maybe Um, have seen this shirt and don't understand it this is what we call a schrodinger's asshole Would you like to explain this? Because I think this is oh your my idea. God. No, it was. Delightful. It was literally my, it was my idea. Like, okay, so the Schrodinger's asshole concept is the kind of guy who, where he says something sexist or racist, and then he decides whether or not he was joking based upon your reaction. Mm-hmm. So if you react badly, he's like, oh, it was just a joke. Um, and I, okay. uh, <laughs> I, I mean, and that's basically exactly what this was. God, this was back in like, I don't know, maybe Maybe February. I'm pretty sure it was after the hiatus, but I had floated. I had floated this to to Corey for a design. I was just because it was about Monel. That's what the shirt was about, right? Because Monel has had several moments like this in the season. Yeah, and especially just, in the like in the fir- in like the first like eight episodes, he would like say something and then get a poor reaction and be like, "Oh wait, just kidding. Sorry, guys." Um, and like, I don't have as much of a knee-jerk reaction to, like, the bro stereotype as some other people do. I'm probably more tolerant of it than I arguably should be, because I was I was close friends with a lot of people who were in fraternities when I was in college. Mm. So mm-hmm. that's part of it, is that I know that a lot of them are actually genuinely nice people of a bit dense. And so that was, like, my the root of my sort of tolerance of his character above what other people may have other people current mm-hmm. company included. <laughs> My yes, exactly. Like you, I didn't you, really like him very much at all ever. <laughs> yeah. Like you had I a tolerated much... him. Exactly. Right. Like you had a much stronger reaction to it than I did though, and I think we both right. ultimately just tolerated him because Right. Whatever, the rest of the show is fine. Uh <laughs> But but that's uh... like there's I mean, this weird Yeah this, Go there's ahead. this weird implication to it that like Dude, it's a fictional character. It's not even your fictional character. I think that's, like, the thing that kind of gets me about this. They're not even talking about you. Like, I know that people ship Wynn and Monel. He wasn't right? even talking about that, although I'm sure if he knew about it, if his PR agent floated him some of those fanfics, I'm sure he'd... He'd probably not like it. <laughs> Considering how he reacted to this. Right. Like, it's right. it was, he was like, weirdly it, defensive. He was being, yeah, weirdly... Defensive and protective of a character that's not even his own character. Like, he seemed to care that other people thought Kara might be bisexual. Which is just like, but why, though? Like, My... that's not, it's, not, it's not your character. Who cares? I have a guess. And, 
Because, like, the implication behind that, whether he intends it or not, the implication for how much he cares about it is that there's something wrong. Yeah. Or that, that like, that his something identity wrong is somehow friends. Right. About, yeah. So either that, like, object, like, more objectively, that there's something wrong or gross about a character being perceived as not straight when they are, or that, like, somehow, like, either his, Chris Woods, or, like, Monel's identity or character is threatened by Kara, the character of Kara Danvers being not straight, or both. If I had to take a guess as to where the knee jerk comes from, it's probably because there are those few people who tweeted some really awful stuff to him. Yeah. Yes. And a few of those people are tied to the Super 4 ship. Yeah. Not not representative of the fandom, but, like, guys, he does mental health awareness because his father committed suicide. Like, that's not fair. Can't. No. Telling him that he should go kill himself is, like, like hands down, sorry, you're an asshole. And yeah, not sorry. An like, sorry, not sorry. You are an asshole. Don't ever do that. Like, don't yeah. ever do that to anyone. It's like, but, like, much less someone who, like, lost someone important to them that way. Exactly. Like, and that, like, That's not okay. You can actually be a pretty big dick, but actually do some, some good work. Like, yeah. Like, Mental like, health I'm awareness not... is a good thing. Right. Even though he's kind of a dick, it's still a good cause. Right, because, like, I mean, all human beings are a mix of, like, good and bad traits. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you're never going to find anything, any piece of art or any character or really anything ever that has been made by human beings that isn't either somehow flawed in itself or that the person who made it is flawed. Exactly. So, like, yeah, we're not denying that, like, Chris Woods can be kind of a dick. That's, like, sure. But, like, I can be kind of a dick. Elizabeth can be kind of a dick. We can all be kind of a dick. Like, <laughs> it's not an excuse for us to be an even bigger dick to him. Like, for any of us to just, like, <laughs> go off and be a huge asshole to someone in that way. It's never okay. Gonna so, say, like, we I'm... don't want anyone, yeah, we don't want anyone to take away that, like, you know, we think that what he did is fine because people were a jerk to him like there's you know those are two separate things like people were big assholes to him horrible said some horrible awful things to him and he also kind of had a and like he also had a knee-jerk reaction that was unfair and rude and insensitive like both of those things are true at the same time this is more of an explanation of why he reacted this way as opposed to like a justification Yes, because you know, like exactly. we are, we're analysis people. We're interested in reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, and and then so then you have Jeremy going on with the I went to musical theater school. I know all about other people's perceptions of sexuality. So mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So like I I mentioned before, I was a big theater kid in high school. Like we yeah, went to me too. We went mm-hmm. to like the the state and the national champion championships. They're like conferences, but like you know what I mean. Totally, yeah. Convention, <clears throat> uh, and then we we performed at the Fringe Festival as well. So like it was a pretty big theater department. So like I'm pretty indoctrinated into like this whole culture. And um, the the interesting thing is that within theater, usually like the toxic masculinity kind of boils itself out. There's only like the like, the dudes at the very top who are like the ultra masculine guys who can kind of dance and follow choreography and maybe hold the tune in a bucket. 
but they're still like handsome dudes and then there's like everyone else so um and then you like you know something like jeremy jordan like you just look at like look at how Wynn dresses and honestly how jeremy jordan dresses on his normal days like yeah, I, I would believe that this guy was probably on the receiving end of a couple of F slurs back in the day. Mm-hmm. And him saying, like, so like, oh, like, him saying that, like, on one hand, I get it. Like, it sucks to be bullied, but, you know, being bullied for something you aren't isn't the same as being bullied for something you are. Right. And maybe even people who... See, because to me, it's hard to get away from the implication that, like, people thinking you're gay is gross. Yeah. That, like, that's behind, that that's a little bit behind this. Yeah. Is, like, I know what it's like to be, right, for people to, like, perceive my sexuality being other than I am, and I'm uncomfortable with that. Which may or may not be how it was meant, but, like, it's, there's still that implication there. So, I can, like, I can understand people taking that away from it. That, like, that the message was, like, I've had people think I'm gay, and that's gross. Whether he meant it or not, I can definitely see why that would be people's response to what he said. I can also like, see it as, it's not necessarily that they, that he thinks it's gross, it's just, like, it sucks to be bullied for something you aren't. Right. Right. Like, I, like I get it. Well, I mean, I'm super mm-hmm. gay, so I don't get it quite on that level, <laughs> but... <laughs> no, totally, Yeah. Like, it, it it does. It really does suck to be bullied for something that does not actually apply to you. Exactly, because it's not even that you necessarily find... And it's not that you even think that being gay is gross. It's just like, but but I'm not gay. Like, right. that's not fair. Like, why would you say that? Mm-hmm. That's, that's mean. Right. And also right. that you you think that this is something that's worth bullying me over, and that's, like, not right. Like, I get... Like, there's, there's all these, like, little layers to it. Like, I get it. Right. I understand. Totally. I totally get why he said what he said. Yes. In the moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, in the couple of days after, he's actually done pretty much everything right. Yeah. I mean, his first apology felt very much like a knee-jerk and potentially even scripted by PR. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, made a, I made a joke to you that was like, I don't think he yeah. wrote the first one. It, it doesn't sound like him. Yeah. No, but like the second one that he issued um was very heartfelt um and since then i've been i follow him on twitter um and i've been kind of following along with the dialogue after all that went down and he really is for those of you who may not know all what's going like please 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 like I, i desperately like ask you like please go on jeremy jordan's twitter because he is being so thoughtful and so sensitive and so understanding he's admitted like he's admitted he was wrong he has admitted what he didn't understand about the entire situation, and he has been willing to listen to fans in a way that I hardly ever see, especially after a situation like this. I hardly ever see actors really sit down and go, okay, guys, like, I was wrong. Let me listen to what you guys have to say. Um, please, like, please play nice in, on my Twitter feed and in my co- like in the comment section. Like, please, like, you know, maintain, like, a a civil level of dialogue but like talk to me talk to me tell me tell me what i'm missing tell me what i need you know what i need to learn from this um yes i was about to say he's got he's got this very like strong vibe of i'm here to learn right and you like like guys if you're queer i'm queer you know like you know when it's genuine 
and yes like you even in text like this this is genuine mm-hmm. right so he is he is doing everything right i mean of course like time will tell and people are allowed to even make mistakes after they learn things um i just have to say that from my own perspective like i have every hope in jeremy jordan i have every hope in jeremy jordan from what I have seen, that that this really that he learned something from this, and that he is going to be more sensitive and thoughtful and engage differently in the future. Mm-hmm. That is my hope. Please don't prove me wrong, Jeremy Jordan, because I think you're delightful. <laughs> I know, right? Like every every time you go to bat for somebody, it's like rolling the dice. Oh God, please don't fucking embarrass me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm putting I'm putting my hope in you, Jeremy Jordan. Please don't just- let me down. Which is where I am with Supergirl right now. <laughs> right? Like, people are justifiably upset. This like, is not a pleasant situation. No, I was just like, I was laughing to Corey the other, like yesterday. It was just like, I dragged Gretchen headfirst into this show. <laughs> like, that was my fault. And this was like, God damn it, we can't stop. Why are you guys doing this to me? Don't make me look uh, cool. Right. Uh, right. Well, to be fair, one of my other good friends did that with me in the hundred, so. Fair. And I think that that's even worse. So she was like my best friend, or she still is my best friend. Um, but I still after her that, that it's so <laughs> she's like, "I'm so sorry." That's all right. Ryan Ryan got me on the Game of Thrones TV show, and we both tapped oh. out at the same time. Oh man, it happens. Yeah, no, you know it happens. But you know, friendship weathers the time. Yep. But anyway, so the the fallout of the situation and this incredibly awkward interview. Um, the fans are furious, obviously. I have that, like, on a line by itself in the outline here. <laughs> right. Um, so there's been some fumbling about the response to it. Mm-hmm. Because he had Harewood and Brooke, uh, David Harewood and, um, Bahad Brooke, both got a little defensive on Twitter. Uh-huh. Harewood, I mean, which, I- like- yeah, I mean David Harewood, he's John Jones. Um, I mean, I I just get such a different vibe from him because he's like the adult in the room. So I feel like there's a level at which he's like, oh my gosh, guys, can we not do this, please? See, that's why um, I'm but, not I'm not like ready to roast him over the coals because no, that was no. honestly the vibe I got from it. It was like the exhausted dad. He reminds me of my dad. Um, just the he's just you know takes off his glasses and is pinching his nose, just like guys. Yeah. I'm tired and I want to go home. Yeah, that is exactly what I got from him. And I can't, I honestly, like, I can't blame him for that. Because I feel like when I'm, I mean, I feel that way sometimes too. And I am not <laughs> his age. Like, no. I feel like by the time I'm that old, I'm just, I'm just going to be that person. I'm just going to be John Jones all the time. I'm going to be like David Harris, just like, guys, come on. Like, please, can we not? Can we not? Um, but not in a dismissive way. See, is the difference. Like, I didn't get the feeling that he was, like, dismissing. Though I understand if people felt that way. Like, I do understand why someone might take that away. I just don't think that he was trying to be dismissive of people's reactions. It was more of a, like, I really don't want to do this. Yeah. And I'd rather just move on to making the show. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and I mean... Like, it's, just, it's, you know, like, this is kind of a controversial opinion, but, like, an actor has the right to not be as invested in the show as the fans. Right. 
Yeah. Like, obviously, he cares about the character, and he plays the character very well, but, like, he has the right to just be like, guys, I'm too old. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and he's also British. Like, yeah. this, I, I feel like there's a level of, like, British, like, wow, guys, there are lots of feelings going on right now, and I don't really do that, so. A bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, actually, yeah. No, but with Mahad Brooks, like, that's, uh, that's the one that gets a bit sketchy. Yeah, it's just, because on the one hand, like, you're contractually obligated to defend the show that you're on and your co-workers. And also, he didn't quite have to say it in a way that I think felt very much like people were being talked over. Yes. And coming from someone who is also a minority, um, just just doesn't like sit well when some, especially because he brought that up. I think if he had not done that. The reaction might have been different, but bringing up, well, I'm an African-American man, and I know what it's like to be marginalized, and let's not get mad at the people who are on our side, um, is going to come across more dismissive, because you, for those who are marginalized, we expect someone like him to be on our, to be on our side, rather than sound like he's defending the people who are hurting us, um, yeah, I was trying, I, trying to find a phrasing for it that was not playing the race card because that's not what this is. Right. And that's not, I don't want to try to imply that. It's more, um, I don't know. It's a, It's the tone of the, the tweet and we can, or the, the statement and we can even link to it. Right. It sort of comes across like, and this is really, okay. So actually, you know, even just using examples within the queer fandom between say like bisexual women and lesbian women. Um, mm. that our experiences are analogous, they're parallel, they mm -hmm. sometimes cross over, but they aren't the same. Right. And I think every minority group has some element of this that we all experience mm -hmm. oppression in some degree, and there is sort of like a, like my favorite analogy for it has always been the video game analogy, that when you start life, it's like a video game, and for every minority uh, tag or debuff that you add to your character, life gets harder. Mm. So, say somebody like me, like I'm a lesbian and Jewish, but I'm also, you know, I grew up white and rich. So, mm -hmm. like, I've got right. a couple of debuffs, so I'm probably going to be okay. If you have someone right. who's, like, say, a black trans woman, um, mm -hmm. they're playing life on a much harder difficulty than I am. Right. So while we probably have some things in common, we have some experiences in common, it's not the mm -hmm. same experience. Right. I mean, it's it's the argument that is often made of, um, in, like, it's the argument for intersectional feminism, that, like, you have white feminists who will oftentimes um, try and, or sometimes just assume that, like, their experience of sexism in our society is the same as a woman of color's experience mm -hmm. of sexism in our society. And they're not the same. Like, both women of color and white women experience sexism. That much, That is very true, but not in the same way. And so for Mahad, even though he is 
a person of color and has experienced marginalization, he is not a queer woman. So yes, he has experienced marginalization, but he's experienced marginalization that is, you know, the experience of being a black man. He has experienced what being a black man is like. We have experienced what being a queer woman is like, and those are sometimes crossover, but they're not the same. And so using one experience of marginalization to say, well, I know what it's like to be marginalized. So like, you don't, you don't have a right to be upset is not necessarily the most thoughtful or sensitive way to go about engaging with your fandom. (laughs) It's a difference between, I I figured it out. It's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Yeah. Is that I can sympathize, I can sympathize with his experiences as a black man, as a lesbian, because I have experienced some prejudice based upon my sexuality but I cannot empathize with him because I'm white. I'll never actually right. on on a personal level understand what he has experienced. Mm-hmm. I can only sympathize with it. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's not necessarily the best position to like Yeah. That has been upsetting to many people and very understandably so and it's very unfortunate and um I'm I'm ho- I am encouraged by the fact that I have seen other um, like people of color who are within fandom. I follow quite a few um fandom blo- like Twitters that are from like nerds of color or things like that. Um, I've been very encouraged by the response I've seen of people who are also people of color saying like, yeah, no, like that's not how you do it. That's not how you apologize. Um, which well, is yeah. encouraging to me that like people who are within the same like marginalized group are saying yeah no don't do that (laughs) well yeah because like um, you know we're both white women so of course like you know because i remember reading the response and my initial reaction was this sounds a little dismissive i was like okay well you know for obvious reasons i can't personally debunk it right but you know there's something there's there's something about it that felt slightly off right and i think it was it was sort of a, a mix of the the throwing in like well the marginalized experiences are the same but they're not and then also the mix of like they they have to defend the cast members like mm-hmm. this is a thing like i know we i know we went into the exciting world of california employment law last week but <laughs> like this is this is sort of the same issue is that you are actually contractually obligated to not shit talk the show that you're on you can get fired over it and fine right which is which is why katie takes the tack that she does like, Katie McGrath, if you pay attention, like, never actually calls them on their shit. Like, she will throw some very impressive shade, but, like, she will never actually, like, because she can't. Like, she legally cannot, like, badmouth anything that they said or them as people. I mean, which is also why, I, I mean, we're probably not going to get anything like that from Melissa Benoist. And potentially <laughs> not that. even... Like, and potentially not even Kyler Lee. As much as she is delightful and, like, has, like, worked her ass off to be so affirming to our community and and try and help us feel safe and welcome on Supergirl, like, we're not going to get her calling people out because she can't. God, to be a a fly on the wall when shooting resumes, just she storms off the plane with the wind in her hair, like, like truth coming out of the well to shame humanity. (laughs) With, right. with with Katie McGrath and Floriana Lima just standing behind her with their arms crossed, tersely nodding. Right? <laughs> like, I can't fucking 
fucking believed you I was gone for one fucking weekend. <laughs> I honestly don't know whether that would be worse or just like Kyler walking in, just like shaking her head, like filled with just like disappointment, like oh, just like no. the, the personification of disappointment. Like a part of me is like, oh, but that would be worse though. Like it just like. Is. Like, the finger shake, just the, like, guys, how how could you do this? Like, I work so hard. I'm so just, like, oh, man. Like, I can't even think about it. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, God. Oh. Just her, go basically, like, her going all, like, space dad on the team and just yeah, being, no, that's like, like, there's nothing worse than, there's nothing worse than having somebody you respect just look at you and say, I'm really disappointed in you. She's like, oh, please be angry instead. <laughs> who knows what she did but yeah um but yeah if she if if any of her whatever her response is seems a bit sanitized blame it on blame it on the pr department and blame it on the agents it's not her right no because yeah she is obligated to they are obligated to say nice things about the show they're on they are um and... i mean not honestly like not everyone can have the leeway of eliza taylor um and I Eliza, honestly, Eliza, what are you gonna do? Fire me, Taylor. Right. And I honestly get surprised and wonder if actually she's almost tasked with that. Like I I still like that's totally a question for another time, but like I, I sometimes start wondering if if like she if this is a part of her contract. If like she's not actually like defying the system, if like the system's like no, we will get more viewers and people will be nicer with us if there's a voice of dissent. So well, you she get does. voice of dissent. Well, because Lindsay Morgan is the sh the the captain of the ships. Um, yep. But uh, Eliza Taylor is more the she's like Katie McGrath. It's not necessarily outright defiance. It's more like glib. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very not passive resistance, but like. You know, like, when you have that teacher you hate and they turn around and you, like, make a face? It's like that. Yep. <laughs> yep. Totally. All right. So we're we're definitely going to go a little over time on this one. Although, honestly, I think that this deserves it. This yeah. Is worth, this is worth talking about, and I'm willing to go a little bit over on this one. Right. So, what can we learn? Corey isn't here to tell me no. Um, <laughs> She's on vacation. <laughs> All right. So what can we learn? What do we learn? Um, well, the biggest thing for me, um, and not just because this is a show I review and love and champion to death, um, so that's part of it, is clearly we can look professional yeah, um, obligation. Yeah, I am I am professionally obligated to say like everything nice about Winona Earp because it's amazing. Um but like we can look at we can compare their they kind the way they approach things with how this has been handled by Supergirl cast this past weekend. Um, and it's, yes, it's Kat Barrel and Dominique Povost-Talkley, who I impress me so much with their sensitivity um, mm -hmm. and the ways in which, I mean, Kat Barrel, I mean, is has said she's not queer. I, I don't know what Dominique has said, but we know at least for a fact that, like, Kat Barrel is a straight woman who's playing a lesbian on a TV show. And she has such a sensitivity about it. I mean, and Kyler does too. Um, so, I mean, that's not to say that she's like more sensitive than like Kyler and Floriana are. Um, 
more vocal, they I ha- think. Although yeah, I think this, more... the show is more open to it. Right, and because the other thing to me that stands out is the way that how awkward the cast seemed talking about these kinds of uh, non-canton ships in general. Like the way the Supergirl cast seemed very like awkward and uncomfortable, and even the way the interviewer phrased that question um, about "Did this surprise you?" And then you look at the cast of Winona Earp, and from what I understand, Melanie Scrifano, and so, <laughs> who plays Winona Earp, and Shamir Anderson, who plays um, Xavier Dolls, and Tim Rosen, who plays um, Doc Holliday, apparently at their panel were talking about, like, a, a poly ship for a while. Mm-hmm. Totally comfortably. Like... I'm just blown away. Like, I am so blown away with how comfortable the Winona Earp cast is. Talking about, like, any like any ship you can throw at them, they're like, yeah, sure, okay. Like, like Emily Andrus trolls the people who ship Winona and Waverly. Like, you know. She trolls Earpsest. And, I mean, I, you really can't get more comfortable than that. Than, I, like, I than, have, like, like, trolling the people ship the sisters <laughs> i'm like currently like, i'm currently thumbs I'm, upping that you know like gretchen and i gretchen and i have that photo from Clexicon with andres and uh with dom and cat yeah yeah like yep. in every photo she took from Clexicon, she looks like she just stole candy yeah oh yeah she loves it she encourages like all of the shipping and will give ships bits of things in the show but not in a like baby way just in a, like i know you guys like this all right you can have it that's cool but yeah uh, but like lost girl was like that too like they would come up like these like <laughs> these ridiculous contrived absurd reasons to have like these weird like like every crack ship on that show got a moment right like there is a brief flash of dyson and lauren fucking and i swear it makes sense in context but like that is the degree to which they were committed to everybody gets a bone, everybody gets one gift set. Like, I almost feel like that was Andrus's like, mission statement from, from I think she started on season four. But, like, I feel like that was her mission statement. Like, every crack ship gets a gift set. I totally believe it. <laughs> and and what I love is that the cast thinks it's great, too. So, I mean, and not every cast and showrunner is going to be this, like, over the top invested in oh, just God, like no. any and all kinds of shipping. But I think what what cast and crew can learn is that people enjoy being able to gush about their ship and enjoy having that validated not in the sense of like canonized, but at least acknowledged for being like interesting and cool. Look, like it's Andress treats her TV shows like Lego sets. She like the the very generic box of Lego. She hands it to you and says, "Do whatever the hell you want with it. Build whatever. Have right. fun." Like if you right. break the set, that's your fault. You broke the toy. Like it's <laughs> like that, but that's you know it's but that's like you feel like you're being handed a playground to play in. Like oh, part right. of it, part of it might be like that it's sci-fi that they're not beholden to certain advertisers the way that like the CW is because the CW is a a child of 
DBS and also a descendant of WB, which I feel like mm-hmm. it's still carrying some baggage from that. So, like, I can almost see, like, there was that PR email that went out to the Supergirl team that's like, you are under no circumstances allowed to validate da 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 and, like, certain advertisers will drop the show if you say da 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 and they're all just like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> but, like, with right. sci-fi, like, I mean, it's the Wild West. It's not really yeah. fun, but, like... Like they're not they're not beholden to investor. I well, I mean they're beholden to investors, but like I feel like it's not quite the right. same ball game. Right. No, that makes sense. But I think like yeah, there's still something that like celebrities can learn about being gentle with, mm. especially I would say, especially with queer ships. Like, Gentle's a great word for it. Yeah, treat them delicately, not because they're fragile, but like treat them gently, like you would like a like a baby bird like because it's precious and beautiful and you want to like honor that someone finds value in this i mean basically like be more like katie who like can't direct may not be able to directly say like supercorp is valid but she can say things like you're allowed to take from this what you will and if you find meaning in that like that's what art is that's what's beautiful about art is you can see what you want to see in it. And if you see yourself in it in a particular way and then like, go for it, celebrate that, enjoy that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Be more that way rather than even in fun, like teasing fans about their ship. Like no one, no one enjoys having what they love and find meaning in made fun of especially by the people who are involved in creating it. Like, you know no what? one enjoys that. Yeah, no, and that's, I think that's really the thing, is that it's being made fun of or belittled. Like, okay, it's maybe not like a baby bird. I think, like, maybe the analogy I would use, because I was at, I was at Disneyland the other week with Corey, <laughs> and was, she had never been before, and on the old Splash Mountain ride, you used to be able to duck and avoid the water, but they made the drop a little steeper, and I was punished for my hubris. <laughs> um, anyway... But no, it's so it's it's like Disneyland for kids who are like between the ages of like say like ten and thirteen. They know the characters mm-hmm. aren't real, right? But when you are at Disneyland and you see that sullen thirteen-year-old who's just barely starting her hot topic phase, um, with the little finger gloves and like the Jack Skellington jacket, and then you see her see Jack and Sally, and then there's that moment when the smile breaks and like the parents mm. are like 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 falling all over themselves to get the camera out it's like god this will be the last time she smiles before her senior graduation photo but that's <laughs> that's what these ships are like we know it's not real like this is like right. this is me at Disneyland i know that it's not real but in the moment i don't care because that's what art is or that's what stagecraft is that's what the suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief is it means something to me and it's magic and if you are going to belittle that or make fun of people for getting, say, caught up in it, then, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right, because isn't she isn't the point that people get caught up in it? It's and art! Become emo- right? Like, the, the point of this is that people are invested in it. Um, I mean, you and you can't control what they're invested in. Exactly! So, so at least, like, I mean, and and it's important to say, like, we both are people who believe that, like, you're allowed to, to take a role to make a paycheck. Like, that's, that is fair. Yeah. Like, they, 
like the actors are also people who like this is their job like they are allowed to not be as invested in the ship or the show as as we are that's fair yeah and like you can like, still do that and be respectful yes and be gentle with your fans like the Starbucks barista does not smile at you because she's genuinely happy to see you. She smiles at you because corporate will fire her if she doesn't. It's not quite that extreme, but yeah. like, but like, but there is a certain element where you can still enjoy what you do, but it's not like passion. Because you can right. always tell what you can always tell when something is a passion project. Yeah, but if it's not quite yeah. that for somebody, then like that's okay. But mm -hmm. like, it's one thing to just take a role for a paycheck, but when you're talking about say like like a queer role, like what Cat Burrell does, you are mm -hmm. providing, when you take a role on like that, especially one that was explicitly written this way, you're providing in a way a social service by increasing cultural and social awareness of normalized queer individuals in society. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't prepared for that responsibility, then acting in the modern world might not be for you. Mm -hmm. And even if the role isn't specifically queer, it's probably not for you anyway because you can't predict when a role is going to become important for a, a marginalized minority. Right. Because we see things that you don't. Like, that's, like, sort of, like, that's what I like about Katie McGrath's sort of surprise. She's like, well, this is the one time where I was like, oh, it's not here. But, like, uh -huh. but that's sort of the joke is that, like, queer women, like, even I, just, like, the first conversation between Cara and Lena, there was, like, something about it where I was just like, and the gaydar is going off. Like, oh god, yeah. Like like five seconds in, I was like, "This is very gay." Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it, I wonder if it's like the unbreaking eye contact. She, uh, Katie McGrath doesn't blink a lot when she's acting. Um, oh, <laughs> not that I've like watched yeah. this a, a lot. Um, I hear I heard from a friend, right? Yeah, no, it, not like I've like you know watched the whole season like four or five times now. Um. <laughs> But yeah, it's like we we notice things that straight people don't, or rather, we pick up on things, even if they're not necessarily there. It's that we we ping to things that are different. We notice different details. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, like that one friend who you hate who points out, like, oh hey, like when the bricklayers did the front walk in your house, did you see that they like cut off a corner on that one brick there, and like mm -hmm. to make it fit? But like when you look at the the pattern, it doesn't match. And then you give crappy Christmas presents to that friend from then on because you can't unsee it. Right. Like, it's... It's right. so... And, yeah. Just, like, given given the fact that, like, if you are an actor and you are playing a straight role on TV, like, if you're playing a straight character, like, you expect people... You know, like I joked about earlier, like, if you're a woman, you kind of expect that, that audiences are going to ship you with, with probably any man that you have, like longer than the 30 second conversation with who's not like genetically related to you on the tv show like th this is just going to happen because it happens to all women my best friend is right. a dude like <laughs> i've been there right like it's it's what happens like as a female actress like you expect that people are going to ship you with like your male co-stars and i would say the same is true of like male actors like you're people you expect that people are going to ship you with your female co-stars with the characters that you're playing like it's just kind of expected i think what needs to change is that that needs to be people need to be aware that like that queer people are going to invest in that as well like a part of greater representation and a part of us getting more actual like screen time and becoming more a part of like cultural conversations is that like we also are going to just like ship things and 
I don't think it should ever be a thing anymore that an actor gets a question like, well, were you surprised that people shift you with, you know, your female best friend on the show? Yes, because I'm who glad would... you brought it back to that. <laughs> right, because no one would ask that if it were like, are you surprised that people shift you with your male best friend? The answer is like, why would I be? Um, so I think one thing that we can learn from this is that, like, there needs to be greater awareness of the fact that, like, Queer people exist and watch TV and ship things. Like, <laughs> I feel weird putting it just that, like, simply, but, like, that is true. We watch TV. We ship things. We are going to be invested in relationships. And actors should just be aware that this is something that can happen to a point where that should never be a question anymore. Now, to be fair to them, this is, like, a pretty damp modern concept like you know, like i know yes. like i keep going back to glee as i said in the last podcast i love talking about it i'm so sick of watching it <laughs> like guys this fucking article series is gonna kill me but <laughs> li- like <sighs> it'll literally kill me but like but glee the, it's glee's fault this is why this exists that mm. like that that was the breaking point where you can no longer get away with completely dismissing the fact that queer people exist in fandom and they they buy things um Mm -hmm. and this is really you know but like you know i'm an accountant like this is just how i think um (laughs) no it's true but it's true like i just i'm very fiscally minded but like that's like we saw with like what happened with lexa that was them exploiting us for money for gains but you know i'm okay with being exploited for gains if i'm getting something out of the deal you know like winona earp I know right. I'm no, being, totally. I, I know I'm being catered and courted, and like Andress is bringing out all the flowers and the card that says "I'm so sorry for Rainer and Lost Girl." Thank you, Andress. Um, <laughs> like here's your apology for that whole mess, and I accept her apology. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Like we right, exist. Because, right. I mean, that's what honestly, that's what straight people get all the time. Is like watch this show and buy this thing because you like it like if if people want to make me shows that have happy queer people in it because they assume I will buy it one yes yes I will yes. I will actually and also two yes please do like yes. if what it takes is for you to think of me as like a walking dollar sign who will buy your product because it makes me happy then please do because I will buy your product when it makes me happy. Like, look, <laughs> like, I like I know I am an entranced magpie with my wallet hanging half out my pocket to you, but like if I can buy gay pride shit at Target, that's fine. Yeah. Like right. Like make make me, you know, sell posters of my favorite queer characters. Like sell yes. t shirts with them on it. I will buy them. Like <laughs> when I have the money, I will buy it. Um, exactly. But like it's and like but that's like kind of the whole the whole point of it is that like the thing that's just that's actually like kind of we sort of stumbled on this as in the conversation is like I feel like that's the thing with Supergirl with that interview that felt so weird is it it felt like an interview from five years ago yes and or, I think that, or an interview on a show that doesn't have Ken and queer representation yes and that was the other thing I mean we're not I mean we'll get to that later because like. Man, do I have some things to talk about with Maggie? But like, you know, that'll be an article. Right. We're not gonna do this in the podcast because um, we're right. not gonna go. We can go a little over, but we can't go like forty-five minutes over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, like it's it. 
it felt weird. I think that was the like that was the feeling I got from it. It was weird. It just didn't it didn't feel right for the time. It didn't feel right for the cast. Like there was so much about it that was just like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, right? like you you absolutely know better. You realize that you are like making fun of people who watch your show, right? Like yeah. who are invested in your show, and not just because of Supercorp. Like not just because of Supercorp. Like. You have a canon, you have canon queer representation. Like, we are a market for your show. Like, an established market for your show. A big one. Why? why? Like, why? I don't, I was so very confused. Um, no, like, like, oh god. I, just... <sighs> I think, like, no, because Gretchen, you can attest to this, because, like, like, because I know you're busy, so I try not to bother you too much, but, like, over this past <laughs> weekend, I was just like, I'm fit to be fucking tied, just, I'm like, with you and Corey, just, would you fucking believe this shit? Because, like, because, you know, this is my, because, like, this is my baby, this is a show that I mm -hmm. recap, and, like, Corey kind of helps me with the editing, but, like, honestly, like, you know, the recaps are my babies, this show is my baby, like, mm -hmm. I love this show so much, and, like, look, guys, I know you mean well on Tumblr when you're like, well, you should just watch Winona Earp, okay, I do watch Finota Herb. Um, Supergirl is a family-friendly show. Yeah. Completely. It's action-packed, but it's not violent. Winona Herb is incredibly violent and very dark. Like, and very even, like, 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 there's, I mean, it's horror. Like, it's got, like, it's, like, supernatural horror. Yeah, it's, it's got, like, like you giant know, spiders and some guy's head exploded, so. <laughs> it's like Very Buffy. It's like Buffy, except you know, not on the WB. Like it's you know, crank it up a couple notches. Like it's gory, it's violent, it has some episodes that are problematic, but like ultimately like it's it's a violent show. And yep. so when people are like, Oh, well you should just watch Winona Earp, completely different tones, they're completely different shows, completely different networks. Like the surface similarities, like, oh well it's a a sisterly relationship and the sister is in a queer relationship. Like these things are like like, technically speaking, both oranges and apples are fruits, but they don't taste the same. Like, if right. I ordered if I ordered an orange smoothie and you gave me an apple smoothie, I'm going to be pissed at you, because it's not the same thing. It's close apple enough. Apple smoothie sounds gross, though. Like, <laughs> I know, I picked the wrong fruit, but like... No, that's fine, no. <laughs> orange yeah, and banana, maybe. Yeah, it's like, it's like well, I mean, they're kind of in the same ballpark. We often mix them together because they taste good together. Like, no! Like, these, these things are not necessarily interchangeable. Like, and it's not... Also, like, we've hit a point where there's enough queer representation where we're allowed to demand that we get our specific genre fiction. Like, that's right. the thing, is that it used to be that you just sort of had to settle with whatever it was. You know, you had the L word, or you had Buffy, or you had Glee. But now, like, no, we have we have a menu we can select from various pieces of genre fiction to watch the lesbians get killed off. Not better. Um, but the point is, is that the point is, is that now there's a menu. Yep. And some people's menus are not going to include a show that very much feels like an homage. So it was like somebody like had a tribute to Buffy and a tribute to Lost Girl, and the buses crashed somewhere yep. on like. Highway 5 in that big stretch in California where there's nothing and no one and it's like completely flat in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> and then the Gravity Falls theme was playing in the background. Uh, but like, I'm just, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed because right. it's like, because you have, Supergirl is like, it's something that's so special to me. It was so mm -hmm. special to me. And like, I just remember like, like, to 
the sending messages to Gretchen, like, before we did the original recaps of the first season, I was just like, oh, and this and this and this, and, like, these big long paragraphs were like, and here's what the show means to be, and, like, ugly sobbing, like, every three episodes, and, like, mm-hmm. like, it's just, this show is so important to me, and I can't even, like, I'm literally wearing a uh, t-shirt with Melissa Benoist's face on it that says, fight like a girl. Oh, that's like, awesome. I, I love this show so much, and I want it to succeed, and I want the actress to succeed, and I don't want them to make fucking fools of themselves at San Diego Comic-Con. Like, like guys, don't put, like, don't put us in this position. Don't put us in this awkward position. I deeply resent the cast at the moment. I'm not quite, mm-hmm. like, done with them, but I am very upset, disappointed. That they put me in this position where I have to defend a show where the people who were on it said things like this. Right. Like, right. it's not it's not fair to do that. Right. Right. And, like, honestly, if, like, we're going to start wrapping up, honestly, because we're flying way over time. Right. I mean, the final, I mean, the final thing that's important to me that I think one of the ways to, you know, kind of analogize this situation, at least that's what makes sense to me, is moving forward is... I think it might be helpful if people started thinking about like the interaction between fandom and cast on both sides. So this is not, you know, directed at one or the other. It's directed at both, both fandom and like cast and crew need to potentially start thinking about the relationship as a relationship. Like Yes, actually. As with like any adult relationship, so a relationship where people are hopefully acting like mature adults, like Learning not to blame your reactions on someone else's behavior is important. It is necessary. Um, Like, if my romantic partner were to joke around and call me a bitch, but I didn't like it, like, the most effective way to communicate my hurt is not to call them a raging asshole who can go choke and die. Like, (laughs) it is a reaction. It is not the most effective reaction. It's one that's likely going to get a laugh and then... You know, right. Further the fight. Right, because what is my goal? My goal is for my partner to understand that they hurt me and hopefully to change. Um, for the better. Fandom is a team so, sport. Right. And so, like, does my partner in this analogy, do they need to learn not to call me a bitch? Yes, they do. Um do I need to learn also how to effectively communicate how I was hurt? Yes, I do. Um, I mean, we could take it a step further and say maybe I had been being kind of, you know, annoying or frustrating and bothering my partner in the past, and they decided that instead of, you know, confronting me directly, they were going to make a joke about it. Um, That's not effective either. Um, And I'm using this very specifically because... I mean, that's kind of what happened. Like, people are pointing back to, well, you know, the fandom, people in the fandom have been awful. So it's okay that, like, Chris and Jeremy and Melissa, like, said some, you know, hurtful things. Like, it's okay because, like, the fandom was worse. No, it's not Um, okay. Right? Like, my reaction is like, yeah, but, like, we should both be grown-ups about it. Like, they are also adults who could choose to be the bigger person and say, Hey guys, like you've said some things that aren't cool. You've said some things that have been really hurtful. Um, I'm still going to be like pleasant and respectful anyway. Um, and in, I mean, in the same thing after what happened is, you know, Jeremy got some really, really awful responses after what happened. 
that's not cool either. No, like, it's not. Someone else's bad behavior is never an excuse for us to be even worse. And so that's both sides. Like fandom, we as fandom need to learn how to not be intrusive, how to not be awful, um, how to not say just like horrible things about like someone's love life or about their relationship with their parents or telling Look, them to kill themselves. Like we just need to like not just stop. Like it's never okay. Like there's no point in honestly like everyone knows what we're talking about. There's no point in mincing words. Like if you're bringing Melissa Benoist's divorce into this or if you're bringing in Chris Wood's father into this, like no. don't. Don't. Don't do that. Yeah. So like fandom, like start treating like celebrities and cast members as if they were a person that you cared about and wanted to maintain a healthy relationship with. And then the same goes for the cast and crew. Like, think about your fans, not as, like, annoying small children following you around and pestering you, but, like, think about them as someone that you want to maintain a healthy, interesting relationship with who will adore you for, like, the things that you create and, like, celebrate you as a person and a character and enjoy interacting with you and will, like, you know, like... Let's just start thinking of each other as, like, human beings who are worthy of respect. And, like, on both sides. Because both sides have done some awful things to each other. I'm kind of laughing because it feels very much like the Sesame Street. Like, we should all be friends. But, like, you know, like guys, we're, guys, like, we're not kidding about this. Like, we're dead serious. Like, the reason, right. like, it's not our fault that they reacted badly. But this was the motivation for why they reacted badly. Right. And usually the goal is to get to the point where you're not giving somebody the motivation to react badly. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. both sides are correcting their behavior according to how the other reacts, that's the thing, it's like with emotions. You can't control your emotions. Right. That's what they are. You can't control when you get angry about something. And sometimes you can't necessarily put the brakes on fast enough to stop yourself from reacting. Right. But if, like, your your first responsibility as an adult is to try to try to stop yourself from reacting. The next responsibility that you have is if you do react, you need to own up to what you did, and you need to proceed maturely. Right. You can't right. necessarily, are... con you can't control your emotions, but you can control the outcome of the fallout of them. Right, because if we are going to expect Jeremy to change... To become better and more sensitive to the queer community, like, guys, we have to be willing to change too. Like, we have to be willing to say, oh, wow, yeah, we as fandom were kind of, we're awful to him. Like, we were got very angry and said some horrible things to him. We need to also treat him with respect and, like, honor him as a person in the same way he is trying to honor us. Yeah, like, that's just fair. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing, is like there there's there's a difference between God, there's a difference between reacting in anger to something that somebody said that like, you know there's a difference between reacting with this hurt me and reacting with I'm going to hurt you. Yes, that's a good point. Right. We need to get better at saying at focusing on this hurt me. Here is what I would like to hear from you. Rather than, I've been hurt, I'm going to hurt you, so you know how I feel right now. Exactly. You know, it's like the, my favorite Steven Universe episode. Which <laughs> one? The, um, Keystone Motel. Because oh, I love yeah. the way, 
Because I love the way that the argument was resolved, is that the point at which they both had to make a compromise, with Ruby just being like, I'm sorry, I didn't want to find a solution, I just wanted to be angry. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just, like, I felt personally attacked. But like, and then yeah. Sapphire, and then Sapphire saying, you know, like, I saw the uh, ultimate outcome and thought that that meant that your feelings in the moment didn't mean anything. But that's what we yeah. need to do as a fandom. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, like like take that to heart, and before you tweet that awful thing, maybe take a step back. Mm-hmm. Like, like just honestly, like the best practice you can do for this: type it out, go take a walk for five minutes, and come back. Mm-hmm. If you're still if you're still that angry after five minutes, then like go have a glass of water and come back. And then if you're still angry, then maybe consider posting it. But like, just just think about how your actions affect other people, right? Right. Because if we want, and so like, I mean, if you want a selfish motivation, I can give people a selfish motivation, which is if we want people to, if we want content creators to be making shows for us, like they're going to want to engage with fans who are pleasant. Honestly, I don't like, want to. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, you're right. I'm going to say it. I will go ahead and I will go ahead and take whatever. Like, if we want stuff made for us, like, people are going to be more likely to give us what we want if we're not raging assholes. <laughs> like, honestly. Also, like, yeah, no, like, we've, we've proven to them that we will bring the numbers. Like, goddamn, we'll bring the numbers. But, like, oh, we, yeah. also, we also have to prove to them that we're not going to immediately turn heel the second that the smallest thing goes wrong. Yes. And that's that is actually a really big deal. Right. Because right. you know and like, maybe even yeah, no, go ahead. And like like Lexa is one thing, but like this incident with with the Supergirl cast at San Diego Comic Con, this is not something that should sink a show. It's definitely no. it's definitely put it on my um suspicion shelf. <laughs> and I will probably be a bit more critical of it than I would have been previously. But mm-hmm. Like and I like believe me, I get it. If you if you give up on the show on this, if this if this something hurt you bad that badly, then fine. You know what? I get it. I don't want to be callous and say like Supergirl is the number two show on the network, and like it's fine if a couple of people stop watching. But I don't know. Like you got to do what's right for you. Right. If you stop watching the show over this, I'm not gonna take it personally. Read my recap. <laughs> you can still find a way to engage. Yeah, you can still engage, but, like, th- this is not something that should sink a show. No. Like, I think no. that the whole, the whole cast has the potential to come back from it. It just depends on how they react in the coming weeks. Right. Yeah. That's totally fair. All right, closing thoughts. Because we're hitting in that, we're almost at one thirty, and I know Corey's going to kill me if I go any higher. <laughs> um, I mean, closing thoughts is just, like, wow, this was really, 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 really unfortunate. And it has the potential to be a really good learning experience for a lot of people. And wow, I sound like I'm like a therapist. Um, I'm the one with I mean, the psych background. I was gonna say I went to therapy today. Maybe that's part of it. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is. I think it's it's really unfortunate. Um, I'm disappointed, and and I think that there is that it's not like a make or break thing. No, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. No, and, like, hmm, I hope the fandom doesn't make it the end of the world. Yes. 
Please, guys. Please. Please don't do it for San. Do it for Sanvers. Do it for Sanvers, which, like, I don't know about that either. That's kind of on shaky ground, but we'll cover that in the recaps next season. Do it for Alex. Do it for Alex. You know what? Yeah. Like, regardless of where Sanvers goes, because we already know that, like, Lima's kind of got one foot out the door. Um, Mm -hmm. That's contracts and bullshit. But, like, essentially, like, do it for Kyler Lee. She went to bat for you. Like, she really did. Yeah. Like, really, just do it for her. She wasn't here this weekend, and really, I feel like I wouldn't blame it on her not being there, but, like, you sort of get this impression. Like, this never would have happened if she were there. Um, I but, like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, guys, just be respectful. Like, even if even if you stop watching the show, be respectful for Kyrie Lee, because that's what she'd expect of you. Yes. And yeah, Katie McGrath. Point. And Katie McGrath. Like, they give you the respect that you deserve. Do it for them, even if Chris Woods is kind of a dick. Right. And Odette Annabelle, because she seems pretty awesome. I don't really know her very well, but she seems cool. I know, right? She flew in at the wrong time. Anyway. <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate. Anyway, yeah, right. Yeah, so we're wrapping up. Um, so the Schrodinger's asshole shirt is available in all stores. Yes, uh, as well as other awesome things that are nerdy and fandom-oriented. Yes, We've got please. a Ride or Die shirt. Yes. Which was inspired by Sanders. And so. also, the editors fight over whose merchandise gets the most attention. So, like, you know. <laughs> uh, we're we need not, more Wynonna <clears throat> We're not saying that we keep a tally and we're going to have, like, a contest at the end of the year or something. I don't no, know we, if anyone can com- compete with Game of Thrones, though. Um, <laughs> let's just say we're millennials. We judge, our, we judge ourselves by our traffic numbers. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And we're going way over time, but we... We know that this was important to kind of get all the thoughts out, so we're right. glad that you stuck with us. All right. All right, so Bye, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably not with Gretchen, but I will see nope. you guys in two weeks. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.